0: Hello, Raise Remnant. We are so excited, aren't we? Yeah. We're right here at Covenant Love Church. We're a part of their missions conference. They've taken us on as their missionaries, and God is doing supernatural things. You're about to hear a message from Karen and I, uh, simply titled, The Farmer and the Famine. And it's all about Amos chapter 8. And then it goes into Amos 9:11. But God is going to move, and He's going to touch your life powerfully because the Lord's looking for farmers to stand in the midst of the famine.
1: Yes, we're so excited because we've been a part of a missions convention here, seeing all the amazing things God is doing around the world. And you're a part of that. You're a part of sending and being a part of everything that God is doing as you're being raised up to go out and to start a movement for God.
0: You know, next year if they have this missions convention, we may invite, invite as many people yes, as possible. Yes. Because it's unbelievable. Pastor Al and Bryce have been like spiritual parents to us. And God poured out His glory. There are missionaries here from China. There are missionaries here from Africa, from India, from... Uh, uh all over the world, people that have planted hospitals and places that you would never even imagine.
1: Places that we would never be able to go on our own, places that no one else is willing to go. And they're going into those areas and seeing lives healed, changed, transformed, seeing uh, ministering to the health needs of people, ministering to the spiritual needs of people. It's very touching and very moving and challenging to see all that God is doing across the world.
0: Well, and Prophet Abner Suarez, Jordan, the lights just went out. Prophet uh, Abner Suarez yes. joined us at the end of the message and yes. began to prophesy yes. a pretty powerful word over even Karen and yes. I, which is, it, it was so yes. awesome. We gave Pastor Alan Taba a bench yes. that was from Engaging Heaven Church yes. uh, that was a part of the, the Great Awakening yes. and uh, there when it used to be called uh, First Church of New London, Connecticut. So get ready. You're going to be wrecked. Yes. The power of God's going to hit you. We did it together. Yes. We wrote the message. Yes. Karen preached, brought the heat, brought the fire. So... I believe that the Spirit of the Lord is going to touch you in a supernatural way. And thank you for being a part of Raise the Remnant. You know, well, a lot of people ask us, why do you charge $29 a month and or pay for a whole year? And it's because um, you have to understand, Acts 29 hasn't been invented yet. The book of Acts goes through 28 chapters, and we believe the finances that you sow into this vision of being a part of Raise the Remnant, joining this vision, is going to uh, fill stadiums across America. That's what the Lord spoke to us. And so we love you. We honor you. Can't wait to see what God does. Get ready for our next phone call. If you're brand new uh, to the vision, get ready. This is your day.
1: So we hope you enjoyed this video.
0: And it will be a little longer than usual because we were given 20 minutes, but yeah. you know how that goes. And so we love you. We pray the Spirit of God overwhelms you as you watch this video. God bless love you. Oh, come on. No, no. you got to do better than that. Somebody praise him. Come on, let's lift our hands. Let's lift our hands and cry out. You are in the seedbed of revival in this place. Now I need to warn you what's going to happen over the next few minutes. I believe the glory of the Lord is going to pour out in this room. And we 're at home, you understand that we 're at home. Thank you. Thank you so much, you guys. this morning we had the honor of hearing from Missionary Jack, and I got messed up by that and then missionary Charlie and then mr missionary uh, Darren and then uh, it, it was one of those moments and then and then it was topped off by missionary Cindy. And I'm sitting there. And we've traveled the world. We've gone 2 million miles. We've seen about 2 million souls come to Christ. Seen outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Scars healed. Off cutters. Recently in one service we saw. I was preaching for a pastor named John Kilpatrick. And I was invited the Sunday after the Supreme Court. Decided they. Could legislate. Against Matthew 19. What marriage is. and We had had 7 ladies that were all lesbians show up five minutes into the sermon they had came to protest the the service and five minutes into the service they came running down weeping and wailing and the anointing broke the yoke and completely set free this just happened but I, i say all that and i know you're standing for a moment but i'm so desperate for god right now these missionaries the heroes We get on planes every week and we travel every single week and sometimes we go to Australia, sometimes we go to Singapore and all these places. But I heard from the heroes today and you know, our our ministry is called The Remnant and you are the thread that ties The Remnant together for these missionaries and we have come to say we honor this house. We love and honor deeply Pastor Al and Mama Teva. You want to say something about that real quick? No, come on. You got to do better than that. Honor! Rolls out the carpet man. Honor opens doors for signs and wonders
1: We have stood and we have sat and we have watched this weekend And I don't believe I have ever been in a house That I am more honored to be a part of This is home That I am honored to be a part of a place And thank you Pastor Alan Tava Tava you are a mom to me You are my spiritual mom and I admire you and I cherish you with everything in me and I'm so grateful to be a part of a place that as we sit here this weekend to hear the heart of a church that hears the cries of the lost and the dying in a dying world and has a rope they know where the rope is to run out and to rescue them and to bring them back into the to the kingdom of God And so to be a part of that is such an honor and such a blessing. And there's times where we don't feel worthy to be a part of that. But we're here tonight to encourage and to lift up the arms of those who go out into all the world, to reach those that no one else is going to reach, and to be a part of telling people who may otherwise never hear the gospel of God. We want to lift them up and encourage them. You cannot quit. You cannot lay down. You cannot lay down the mantle because we need you to be out there doing what you're doing.
0: All the missionaries, raise your hand. All the missionaries, real quick, raise your hand. Now look, folks, you've already been doing it, but can you just show them the love because they are the heroes. They're the heroes. We honor you. Don't stop. You may be seated across the house for just a few minutes, and Pastor Al, my, my time doesn't start till after Karen speaks, and so, um, but we're, we're stirred, aren't we? You know, since last time we were here, we became grandparents, believe it or not, and uh, uh, our son is a pastor out in California, and and uh, we became uh, grandparents, but but this is the house that, that my son grew up in for the early years, and now they're pastoring out in California, seeing hundreds and hundreds touched every week in their youth ministry, and, and uh, so this is home. But I, I want to get into the Word. Karen's going to sit right here for a moment because I brought something, we brought something very special with us. In fact, there's even numbers on it. And the number 13 is on this and the number 88. And I looked those up and you know, usually when guys say they're not into numerology, they throw numbers out but because I kind of am. And, but the number 88 means revolution and number 13 means God and man going forth to start the revolution. And I brought this as a gift uh, that we'll talk about in a few moments. But is anybody desperate for God? Are you desperate? <laughs> Now, I I, I need to warn you because many of you know that when we launched uh, I, the I Am Remnant movement, it's going around America and we're seeing just thousands and thousands. You'll see some of that in just a moment. But, but, uh, And then this last year, I, I wrote my third book, Unqualified After I Am Remnant. And Karen wrote her new book, Dehydrated. And, and uh, we're kind of mixing those tonight. But throughout the week, as God began to speak to us, He, he said, I, I want you to write something new for this weekend. And so we went in and we began to write and we're going to share a simple, simple message. Uh, it, it's just simply called... Uh, The farmer and the famine. See, our our anointing is to preach to the cave dwellers. We're missionaries to America. I've been saying that for two years. We both had a dream. I wrote about it in the opening of, of, of Unqualified uh, last summer when I had a dream. I was preaching somewhere and went to bed in the hotel and I had this dream of a massive wave hitting America and Karen had already had the dream. We both have a sleep disorder called revelation. Amen. And 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 so for since january i've been hearing revelation 22 verse 17 the the spirit and the bride says come come and drink freely i've been hearing it every time i lay down on a saturday night before i preach in a different city next weekend you'll be in indiana i'll be in st louis or somewhere and we've been watching this outbreak of god and and i'm reminded because i I get so caught up prophetically into all the stuff that's wrong with america i was on the phone about two weeks ago uh three or four weeks ago actually uh with sid roth and and sid we were getting ready to do a, a program and and I'm on the phone. I'm telling Sid everything that's wrong with America. And I'm saying, Sid, we've got to have an awakening. We've got to have an awakening. And he just interrupts me. He goes, Pat. And, and he's 74 years old. And he goes, Pat, the gospel's still the good news. And I, I just wanted to drop the mic and walk away and say, you're right. <laughs> but if you let me, I may be a little bit heavy tonight. Because it's easy to come in and cheer the missionaries. But you don't have any idea what's going on. There's an onslaught. Reminded of four years ago after the tornadoes came through the southeast and it jumped over our neighborhood and destroyed uh, many of Pastor Scott's family's churches in Tuscaloosa. Then it hit Birmingham and it literally jumped right over our neighborhood. And as it jumped over our neighborhood the very next morning, uh, the next afternoon was laying in my front yard a sheet of paper. I call it my letter from heaven and all it said was it was bent over. In fact I received a text about five minutes later uh, that that uh, from my friend and he said uh, David Wilkerson had just been killed in a car accident. And I went into my prayer closet for about four hours. I couldn't speak. But this one sheet of paper saw Soaking wet fell out of the tornado that jumped over our house that had killed 220 people. And all it said was, Topping even these disasters will come a world war. And I fell on my knees, and remember, I couldn't even talk. And I fell on my knees in my prayer room, and I said, God, what are you trying to do? And he said, Today everything changes. And it's been a journey to change. He's helped me. For being the youth guy of America. I'm reminded of last summer when I'm sound asleep and all of a sudden I have a dream and Karen and I are running across a giant map of America and there's a giant wave shape, uh, chasing me and I'm running and I'm running and I'm running and I'm running, and, I'm running and, 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 and it was about to hit us and we ended up at the White House where we, incidentally, we saw an outpouring of God in Congress last year, uh, with, with people weeping and crying out to God, congressmen and senators, and we saw this incredible move of God in DC, but, but, but all of a sudden the wave hits and we're at the White House and I woke up and I was so grieved. I said, Lord, you promised in Genesis 9-11 you would not destroy the earth with a flood again. Why did I, why did I dream that? And Karen had already dreamed it. She had wrote it in her prayer journal. And finally that afternoon the Lord said, Pat, what you saw was not me destroying America. You saw one more outpouring that is coming. I must get into this word. Hey, we've seen amazing things. We saw 400 women in a homeless shelter weeping and crying out to God. At a, I got a text from them this morning saying, will you, buy, will you buy presents for our kids for Christmas? We saw them and one little six-year-old girl, that, that's it right there. One six-year-old little girl grabbed me, didn't she? And she called me down. It's in the middle of the altar. Karen and I were sitting there. She calls me down and she whispered and she said, I love you. She's weeping before the Lord. See, there's an awakening coming. But I must touch on a couple of things for just a few minutes. Because I learned a long time ago that the attitude of the cross is I thirst, I forgive, and it's finished. And it's been a journey, man. It's been a process. And 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 you gotta understand that we we see this this week has so stirred us up because we can hear the sound of the of the coming together, the gathering of the troops. And these aren't normal people that are here right now. These people that are up here somewhere along the way, they decide to pick up the sword and a mandate with a sword in one hand and a mandate in the other. They began to take the gospel seriously. And 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 you need to understand with what we're running into right now, I believe with all my heart and Holy Spirit spirit would you just would you just begin to fall somebody asked me recently because I just started writing another book called altarless for charisma somebody asked me why are you writing such heavy stuff and it reminds me of Jeremiah 36 verse 3 when the Lord said write these things down and perhaps the people will read and repent But all throughout history, we've seen moments where shakings came. We brought something tonight. Would hold sound, and if you could, if you could put your ear down, someday there'll be a machine that'll pull the noise out of this. If I could tell you what's in this pew, what this pew experienced for four hundred years. But as I was getting ready and we were getting ready for this week, the Lord spoke this word to us, the the farmer and the famine, and 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 he took me to Amos and I began to study Amos. I love to I've got a couple of key voices in my life and i called them and i said tell me more about amos and i began to study amos and go deep into amos and amos was considered a minor prophet although i don't believe any of the prophets were minor prophets it's amazing to me how they called him that but but and that was made up by 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 the world and so you have to understand god did not call them minor prophets but but amos was an old shepherd and a farmer he shepherded sheep and he raised um uh, uh, up trees and and so you have to realize as I begin to study him and go deeper in who he was. He lived seven hundred years before Jesus, and he was a contemporary of Isaiah and Jeremiah. In fact, many of them learned from him. This old farmer. And he begins to prophesy one day. He's from the kingdom of the southern kingdom of Judah and begins to prophesy that the northern kingdom, because the northern kingdom was wrapped up in themselves and they no longer repented and, and they had gotten away from God. And he begins to prophesy. He even said they are a, a picked basket of ripe fruit in other words once you pulled away from the vine you begin to die and destruction comes in and I began to study who who he was and, and, and what he stood for and he raised sycamore trees and if you ever study a sycamore the only way to destroy a sycamore or, or to get it ripe is to cut it down and then split open the fruit and it ripes that's why Zacchaeus and Luke climbed the sycamore tree to see Jesus because you got to cut some things down in order to get back to him for the ripening and and I began to study who he was, and it was the darkest time in history. And here's Amos. Now listen, I believe we're at the most critical moment in history. And I love what was said just a moment ago. Because whenever persecution hits, that's when the church grows. According to a friend of mine it's an apostolic father in China, one million a month in China. The Lord gave me a vision about a year ago. I was getting ready to speak over in Charlotte at the Sid Roth show, and I was out running. Well, I don't really, I don't really run. I loiter. <laughs> I was out worshiping one morning, and all of a sudden, the, Spirit of the Lord said, to me, I saw this vision of tanks pulling on the streets of America, much like we saw on 9-11 right here in Fayetteville. And I said, Lord, what is that? And he said, destruction's coming. And I said, Lord, how will America be destroyed? And he said, from within. He said, my people must pray. But the Bible says in Amos chapter 8 verse 11 The days are coming declares the sovereign Lord Now I could stop right there and go for an hour Because I wrote my opening chapter in my new book On sovereign Lord because he kept speaking to me Every day I kept hearing the term Ah sovereign Lord So finally I went and looked it up And and, and I began to study what sovereign means And anytime you see that in the word of God It's L-O-R-D it, It's capitalized because it means the I am It, it It's next level It means uh, Adonai Yahweh I mean if you see sovereign in the bible you should pause because it means he doesn't need permission of congress to do anything it means he has not put bankruptcy on the signs of heaven it means he hasn't stepped off and given away authority it means he is god and when he walks in the room everybody's gonna bow come on and give him a praise He said, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will send a famine, declares the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine throughout the land. Not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the word of the Lord. The word famine means to be bent over with extreme thirst. I believe with all my heart that we have entered into the dark ages of the church. The most dangerous time in history. We've lost our moral authority in America. And I'm preaching to America. That's who I'm called to. Because we, uh, we've lost our moral authority to stand as a voice. Because in our desire to gather the goats, we've starved the sheep. And it's caused the doling of the winnowing fork. Because through the, the widening of the narrow road. And the propagation of a powerless message. And prostitution of a message designed to seduce the bride into an adulterous relationship with the world. Barely uttered from the pulpits of America anymore. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Instead, it's let us not offend, lest we lose our crowd and influence. And I've seen the hunger. I've seen it, man. I saw it in a house church last week. I've seen thousands running to the altar. I've seen God break out lately in churches that haven't seen a move of God in years. Big, awesome, mighty churches. Churches. And so for just a few minutes, I'm going to talk about Amos. Karen's going to join me. She's going to share in just a moment, just for a couple of minutes. And then the prophet's going to come and share some things. But I have come to speak to you and tell you to get ready. Because the wave is coming. And I've come to tell you to get ready because America best wake up. And you wouldn't believe the attacks we've taken because of the stuff we've said on TV. Because we're living in a day of what I call secular Christianity or Christless Christianity. We look, she's got a great body, just no brain, because he's supposed to be the head. How, why would you say that? Because these people that are here are the front lines. But I'm preaching the farmer and the famine because famine is awesome, because it makes people hungry again. See, I've seen thousands running to the altar. Watch this. The days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land,
2: not a famine of food or thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions.
1: We're here to talk to the farmers today. There are farmers in this room today, and we're here to talk to those farmers. You see, a farmer doesn't ever get praise, a farmer doesn't ever get accolades, or no one ever pats him on the back, but a farmer faithfully brings forth a harvest faithfully goes out into the field faithfully goes out into the to to the areas that no one else will go to faithfully goes out and brings forth a harvest pat and i have said over and over that we are missionaries to america there are those in here who are called to go to the uttermost parts of the earth to go to the uttermost parts of the world the places that no one else will go that america is sending out missionaries to all of these places and pat and i feel that we are are called to be missionaries to America, that we are called to go out into the America, to the places in this world, to the places where the church has become a social club, to the place where churches have become a place where everyone just comes to see each other and to get to know each other. But I want you to know that America is on the verge of going dark today. America is on the verge of becoming dark and we feel called to go into the churches and to keep the flames of revival lit so that once again, the missionaries can hear the voice of God calling them to go into the nation, into all the world. That is what we're called to do. We are called to facilitate what God wants to do, to do and to be obedient to his call. It says in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, Paul said, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. See, there are those that God is calling to go out. He has paved the way. There are missionaries in here. You have heard the call, but you have not beckoned. You have not gone and listened to the call that God has given you. And he's calling you tonight to go and to do what he's called you to do. See, we're here to speak To those who are willing to not let the flames of revival die. We're called to bring back that flames of revival into the churches. Because if America goes dark, then the world is going to lose hope. Then America is going to lose that ability to go and to to spread the gospel to those places. We are here to speak to those who have taken the great commission personally, who have taken Matthew 28, 19 personally, that you have made it your life song, that it, you have made it your life mission to go and to do what God has called you to do. We're here to speak to those who understand that the thing that makes you the maddest is usually the things that you are called to conquer, that you are called to hear the voice of those crying for hope that you are called. You have heard the cries you have call, heard the cries of those who have been abandoned, who, those who have been lost, those who are crying from other nations. You have heard them. It's the thing that keeps you awake at night. It's the cries and the screams from afar that have kept you awake at night. We have heard that cry. You have heard the cries of children in other nations. I was so moved. I was so taken by the stories today that we heard from missionaries because you are the ones, you have heard the cries, but not only have you heard them rolled over in your beds and just tried to go back to sleep. You've gotten up in the middle of the night and you have gotten on your knees and you have cried, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do to not only hear their cries, but to go and to bring what they need to them? That is what God's calling. We are called to come tonight to encourage you. To those who have signed up for a calling that will require long days, sleepless nights, It will require jeering opposition. It will require persecution from the world and sometimes from the church, from religious persecution. But you know that someday you will possess a crown that would fit for a king that you will gladly lay at the feet of your king. That you will gladly get up and you will go and accept and do what you're called to do. See, it's for those. For you, the command to take up your cross has become a mandate to you, a mandate for life rather than just a weekend Sunday excursion where you come together just to have friend- fellowship, just to have friendship, just to have a social club experience. You have heard the call and you have decided that it is something that you want to do for a lifetime. God is calling you to something bigger than just a social club Christianity. It's for those who, for those whom the promise Of Psalms 2.8 is that that is what has kept you going and it says ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance for the ends of the earth to be your possession. You have decided to take God at his word that what he says is true and real that it's not just a storybook it's not just a fantasy it's not just a fairy tale you have decided that God's word is real and that you want to go and to do what it says. See, we've come to speak to those who have a life that is full. See, the only empty area of your life should be that of the tomb of resurrection where flesh lost the battle to the spirit. The day that you accepted the call. See, you don't desire the applause, or the accolades of man. All you desire is to see a smile from the throne root of heaven that says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. It's no longer about what man says about you. It's not no longer about what you're going to receive as an earthly reward. It's about looking into the Father's eyes and know that you died with nothing left to do, that you died doing everything that he gave you to do. Just like Philippians 1.21 says, for me, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. See, I'm talking to those in this room that you signed up until death, that you, because you realize that a life lived well starts at the cross of transformed priorities, that you give it all, that you know that it's for all, that God gave all for you. See, God's reviving those who have been in the cave of isolation and waiting for the whisper you've been waiting for that whisper see we've seen the wind we've seen the earthquake we've seen the fire and it has left us desiring desiring to do something more it was the whisper that caught you up in the call see I understand it's the whisper that keeps you up at night it's the whisper that gets you on a plane to go to a place you've never been before to speak a language that you've never spoke before to go and to live among a people that you don't know their culture that you don't know anything about them it's the whisper that wakes you up in the middle of the night that says I'm calling you to go and rescue I'm calling you to go and do something bigger than yourself it's that whisper that you hear that says I want you to go and to do see so many of you have heard that whisper just like when Elijah covered his face and God whispered to him in first Kings nineteen thirteen, and he said Elijah what are you doing here What are you doing here? He said, I'm calling you for something bigger, for something greater, for something more than you could even imagine. I'm calling you to do a work that you can't do in your own flesh. I'm calling you to something bigger. It's for those who know your calling will always be something of a mystery. That you can't explain it. That no one understands it. That no one can say, well, this is what I do or that's what I do. God says, I'm calling you to something you're never even going to be able to explain to anyone. Just like in Ephesians 1, 9 and 10, it says, And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. It's not for us to figure out. It's not for us to be able to explain. All it is is for us to be able to say, here am I, I will go and I will accept the call that you've given me. I don't have to understand it. I don't have to explain it to anyone. All I know is that I've been given my marching orders and I'm willing to go and accept the call. That's where God's calling us. See, listen to me, farmers. Listen to me, those who have called, been called to till the ground. Those that have been called to Water. Those that have been called to plant, we must have the likes of Bunky we must have the likes of the booths in this room. We must have the likes of the Bonhoeffers in this room who will say, I don't care what the world says about me. I don't care if I'm looked at in culture as someone who's backward. Someone's not up with the times. I don't care if I'm like Amos, like the man standing on the street corner. See, so many times we need to understand that God has called us to be the man standing on the street corner with the sign that says the end is near. No one wants to look him in the eyes. No one wants to make eye, contact him but they all need his message see how many of you are willing to be labeled that crazy man standing on the street corner that no one wants to make eye contact with who will go and be that one regardless of what culture says about you regardless see you know that things are about to change in america because the wave is coming one last great awakening in america God says, I'm going to give you another shot. I'm going to give you another chance. Will your moral authority be taken away from you? America has been called to be the moral compass of our world. And if we let it slip through our fingers, then the world has lost hope. We have to rise back up. See, we have to challenge you. We're here to encourage, but we're here to challenge every single person in this room to take up a hammer and to take up a nail and to begin to rebuild down, rebuild the broken down altars in our nation again, to rebuild them so that we once again get off of our pedestals, get off of our platforms, and get down on our knees and bow before an altar of God once again in our nation. God is calling us to repent. In Galatians 6, 9, it says, Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we will not give up. Because there is a famine coming. See, I love it because famine is always preceded by a drought. And a drought is caused when our waters have become muddied by culture and culture, changing the views that people have towards God but God is calling us to come back in and clean up the waters so that we can have fresh waters flowing again. And we get into a place where we desire encounters with a living God rather than personal fleshly desires of our life. He's calling us back because we need farmers to plow and to water the seeds again
0: oh come on give him 10 seconds of praise come on praise him church I will bless the Lord at all times his praise will continually be in my mouth come on we're not done he's a bigger God than that over the last few years because my message has changed lost friends when I wrote the I Am Remnant book, people said, you need to tone it down. But see, they don't go to bed at night hearing the cries of a generation. I remember one time I was in Montreal and I said, Lord, would you take my burden from me tonight so I can sleep? And I didn't feel him for 24 hours. And I woke up a day later, I just a day later, I'm like, give it back. Burden is, is, in the, is a Greek word, it's... Forty on it means faults of the conscience which oppress the soul when's the last time God wrecked you when's the last time you came out of your prayer closet limping when is the last time he crushed you like an olive to get the anointing revival is when God gets so sick and tired of being misrepresented that he shows up and I don't want a revival anymore revival's come and go I can prove it to you in just a moment I want a revolution I want a reformation I want to crawl up the stairs and nail a thesis to the wall saying no devil you can't have my family you can't have my land you can't have my nation somebody shout But we're preaching about the farmer and the famine all week long. God kept saying to us in our prayer closet, it's the farmer and the famine. It's the farmer and the famine. I'm like, Lord, I don't understand it. So he takes me to Amos 8.11 and he said, there's a famine in the land for the word of the Lord. So we're here to sound an alarm. To entice the desperate. To remind those that came in for this weekend time of refreshing. Nobody's ever done this for us, by the way. Had a weekend like this. to tell you God's not done pouring out his spirit but what you got to understand the famine that is coming is a cutting off of the word of the Lord which is an awesome thing because it's going to bring hunger William Booth prophesied over 150 years ago. Many of you know he's my hero. I've stood under the London Bridge where he began to hear the screams of the, of the, and the cries of the lost in 1780. Uh, and I fell on my knees underneath the London Bridge and as, as, as the weight of God fell on me. And he said, do you hear the cries of the lost? But Booth said this. Look what he said. He said, and he prophesied. He said, the chief danger of the 20th century will be religion without Holy Spirit, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, and heaven without hell. We're living in a time of celebrity Christianity where people are running around screaming, "Look at me! Look at me! Look, look, look at me!" because and it's almost like the days of, "No, not him! Give us Barabbas! Don't we don't want Jesus because he'll make us change? Give me Barabbas because I'll feel better about ourselves." We were living in a time where people would rather gather more followers on Twitter and Instagram than at the cross because it's now moved back into that thing again where it's all about the celebrities. And you need to understand there was no red carpet in the Bible except where the blood of the martyrs was spilled. The only roped-off areas where they hung them and the only celebrities in the Bible were the children but the famine is here. We're living in a time where worship is louder and the lights are enamoring and the speakers are celebrated and truth is now diminished. We're raising a Saul generation that loves worship more than word because it soothes their demons. Reminds me of an Exodus after Moses had been up at the mountain and Joshua, his, his understudy sitting there and in one ear he could hear the party and the other ear he could see the voice of God. And all of a sudden Moses came down off the mountain, stopped halfway and, and, and Joshua looks at him and he says, he says, hey, something's going on down in the camp. What's going on? And then all of a sudden Moses said, it's not the sound of those who shout for victory, nor does the sound of those who cry because of being overcome. But I hear the sound of singing. We're having worship. If I get offensive, please understand it. You've got a long line to get behind. If you wonder where the power of God has gone, you need only to look at the mainstream Christian messages that flood the airways with overinflated egos, espousing self-help sermons and watered-down talks and hyper-grace theology. In 2 Timothy 4, three, he said, the day is coming where well, people will not put up with sound doctrine because they're itching ears. They'll go to people that will give them the itching ears. I wish I could tell you a dream that I had one night of what's going to happen in churches that have not been preaching truth when things get tough. If you've ever ever seen the riots in the Middle East, that's going to happen because we've spent so much time sanctifying demons and grace is preached. To satisfy per- perversion instead of holiness and humanism has replaced sermons that convict. And I love what Reinhardt Bunke said to me a couple years ago. We were sitting in Singapore together and he called me and said, come meet with me. And he's done that several, well many times. And, and all of a sudden he said, Pat, grace, we're in Singapore. He said, grace without repentance is nothing but religion. Yeah. Titus 2 says, true grace empowers us to live a godly life. Love what Bonhoeffer said. He lost his life and we're about to close. But the Lord sent us. You say, well, this isn't very encouraging to the missionaries. It is. I'm letting the missionaries know that what you've been seeing happen is real. I'm letting you know it's bad. I stood on a platform in front of thousands of people recently. And I said, I think the missionaries need to come home. Reminded of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Who was a part of the confessing church. And when the Nazis first took over the church in Germany and they gave them a manifesto of five things, they said, only preach grace, no altar calls, only speak well of the government, only take, you're only here for the poor. They said, number five, do not have long services. Dietrich Bonhoeffer who is a Lutheran but he's a part of the Confessing Church. He would later be martyred by them. He said this. He made this statement and he, he prophesied and, and we think that's, well that's the Nazis. It's back. He said cheap grace is the grace we've been sowing ourselves. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline. Communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. Is it okay if I share this stuff with you because there's a famine but I'm here to tell you famine is good because people are hungry and I've saw it. I've seen thousands running to the altar girls running up to me saying i was raped by my dad i was raped by my stepdad but when you preach tonight all my scars disappeared oh you're not getting this yet do you know how many young people come up to karen and i and say i wish you were my mom and dad we got to close but together we can rebuild the altar all throughout history at the darkest moment God raised up voices the nobodies the unqualified that would stand up and say I'll stand up I'll speak out because God's not using the celebrities anymore he's not using the one that's got it all together he's using the ones that understand that scars on earth are testimonies in heaven he's using the ones that walk with a limp because they've been through a few things he's using the ones that he says I can trust them with my glory because they lost their flesh along the way he's using the ones that have got from up down at the bottom of the cross with the mourners and the gamblers and they have crucified with him he's using the ones that said me why would you preach this at a missions conference the farmer and the famine because there's a generation rising up that's had enough let us build the altar again if you go on to read in amos by the time we get to amos chapter nine verse one i love this he said i saw the lord standing by the altar See, the altar in many churches has just become a prop in the back room to be used every now and then for some type of production. Yeah. To have a church service without an altar call is, is treason against the kingdom of God. I get invited to all these places because of the books and all that stuff or they see me on TV and they go, well, we don't really do altar calls. And I said, well, I don't really come to your church. But he goes on to say, he said, strike the tops of the pillars so that the threshold shake. Bring them down on the heads of all the people. Those who are left, I will kill with a sword. Not Not one will get away. None will escape. Why? Because we're living at a time where he's standing at the altar and the Holy Spirit's been fired from most churches. And when you water the blood down, you give him a pink slip. If you remove one third from a hundred, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and a lot of churches are really good at having Father, Son, and Holy Scripture, but you remove one third from a from hundred, that's 33.33733 to infinity, you've got to understand, 33.3 from a hundred leaves the number 666, we're six. Not, we're not—we're now operating in the spirit of the anti-anointing, the spirit of the antichrist, because we say we don't want God to move, we don't want God to change us. So I say to the missionaries sitting here, thank you, thank you for being desperate enough to have to live by faith, to see signs and wonders, to see miracles. miracles thank you for walking into this place and reminding us we can do this thing that we can run oh get up on your feet and give my god a praise he's bigger than that come on give him a praise and the loss of the altar call has tried has now caused the church to try to motivate the devil out of people Instead, we must realize it's a death that spirits leave. I love what Bunky, Pastor Bunky says. He said, the power of God is not an accessory to the gospel. It's all of the gospel. And we are called to be stagehands to open the curtain, to crawl into his presence. He says this to me all the time. I'll get ready to be walking on a stage of five or 5,000. It doesn't matter. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord will say to me, hey, Pat, just be a stagehand. If they can see you, they can't see me. That's it. We're done. the Lord told us to come and tell you, farmers, don't grow weary. Don't quit. Because God is calling his people back to their first love. It's Revelation 2 verse 4. I love it in the Message Bible because it says, you've walked away from your first love. What's going on with you? Do you have any idea? It's a Lucifer fall. And the Lord spoke this to me this week. He said, the flame of revival that cannot be extinguished will burn ever so brightly when it's your flesh that now lay upon the altar of his glory. What does God require? Nothing. Except Psalms 51. He just requires a broken spirit. Because brokenness is the beginning of authority. Purity is the backbone of authority, but brokenness brings the new. Oh, I feel his presence. We're, We're closing right here. Forgive us if we went too long. I didn't mean to, but I've come to tell these missionaries, I saw your pain today. I saw the lines. The exhaustion. It's great to come to a conference like this and tell the stories, but they don't know how scary it was in the midst of it. We honor you. We will stand behind you in heaven and watch as those that dug, that got to drink from the wells or use the commodes. As those that got the cornflakes. As those that got to come in and Watch as no one took an IV out of their baby's arm. Because one lady in the midst of her battle with cancer said, I'll start a hospital. Famine is here. But the spirit of the Lord is sending the rain. And it's coming. And the farmers need to get ready. And in this room, like you, i reminded about three years ago, I was in a hotel room and I, when I go to bed, or two years ago, when I go to bed at night, I say, Lord, I want to see you, I want to see you, I want to see you. Not every night, but most nights. And, and I say, Lord, I want to see you, I want to see you in my dreams. And all of a sudden, at 1.30 in the morning, I was laying in a hotel in Little Rock, Arkansas. And all of a sudden, I began to shake all over and weep. And, and all of a sudden, I couldn't see. The light in the room was so bright. And I knew it was God. And I started screaming. My goal is to get kicked out of a hotel for praying too loud because I always have a room next to the drunks. And... and 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 all all of a sudden the Spirit of the Lord came in and it was so strong that that I just started screaming, please don't come any closer, I'll die, I'll die God, I'm going to die, I'm going to die God, don't come any closer, I know I asked you to come I'm sorry, I shouldn't have asked you to come and and that really happened Um, and, 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 and all of a sudden I could see the palm of his hand and the sole of his foot and the Lord said to me and I saw the nail print and he said, Pat, if you'll give me everything you have, I'll give you everything if you'll tell a generation if they give me everything, I'll give them everything and he was gone and I woke up and we begin to read john 7 ask seek and knock which is a perpetual verb and you need to understand i begin to dance before the lord see there's something that's going to change in the atmosphere when the church begins to say i want to see you i don't want to see big buildings anymore i don't want to see big crowds anymore i don't want to be known by the world anymore i just want to see you i want to be the remnant the rag in the hand of god sent to clean up the messes we're closing for the third time Is the pew been talking to you? It's talking to you, right?
1: Sam, where are the ones who have heard the call?
0: The one in our house talks to us, and it's weird. Y'all are going to think we're crazy, but it does.
1: See, okay, farmers, it's time to be scattered. You're You're the seed. It's time to be scattered. Heaven is watching from the grandstands to see what your response will be. Heaven is watching from the grandstands. He's looking for voices to rise up, looking for voices that will go and speak what he has told them to speak. God is plowing the land. And he wants to plant his righteous seed. He's looking for those without an agenda, those without any kind of self-promotion, those that won't be afraid to get a little dirty, that won't be be afraid to get down on their knees, that won't be afraid to get down in the trenches and to do what he's called to do without any kind of recognition, without any kind of applause. Who will simply accept the call? That is what God is asking tonight because persecution is coming to the church. But persecution always pushes the church closer to God. Persecution always sets us up for revival, that sets us up for revolution. See, I am convinced in today's church that we are bringing into our churches, we have made church so comfortable, so soothing that people are fall asleep, falling asleep in the presence of God. But what we need is not a comfortable comfortable cozy feel-good fire in our church what we need is an all-consuming fire that gets us out of our comfort zone and gets us up to get us moving that says I've got to get up I've got to run I've got to get going I've got to do something that God has called me to do and what did it happen what happened see in Acts 8 and the church was under persecution Christians were being murdered Christians were being led out into the arenas to be killed but did they give up no they were scattered and God is scattering the seed today he's scattering the seed across our nation across our world and he's saying will you go will you till the ground will you plant acts 847 says those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in the city. That is what we sat and listened to as the missionaries told us about the great miracles that are taking place. But here in America... We act like that's not normal. We act like that's not something that should be happening when they're seeing in other nations, they're seeing in other countries, miracles, legs being grew back. The blind eyes open, ears open, the dumb speak. And we come into church and we're so comfortable. And God says, I'm calling you out of your comfort zone. I'm calling you out of your nice cushy pew. I'm calling you to get up and to go where it's not comfortable. And to go and do what's not comfortable for you. It says, you have signed up for this. See, I love the missionaries because they signed up for it knowing that they signed up sometimes for death. Because a life well lived starts in the garden of denial and ends at the cross of submission. Only to be revived at the room of wind and fire in the Holy Spirit. See, I love because the promise of righteousness. Psalms thirty-seven nineteen says, in times of disaster they will not wither. And in days of famine, they will enjoy plenty because God is calling us to plant and to bring up a harvest.
0: That's our promise. When the famine hits, we're going to be okay. Several weeks ago, I was praying in early in the morning for the ministry and for the vision. And all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to me. He said, because of what Pastor Allen Pastor Tava taught us two years ago, changed our marriage, changed our family. Philippians 4, 6. The Lord said, you'll never worry about finances again. Just go. He said, Lord, I know you told us two years in churches, and then we're going to fill stadiums across America, and that sounds so arrogant. He said, no, 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 no. Trust me. So tonight we brought a seed for the revival. There's a spirit of revival in this house. Some of you need to go on vacation to another church and deal with what we deal with.
1: To understand what you have.
0: (laughs) Because the glory of the Lord is in this house. I come here and bring a word, but I leave home full because of spiritual parents who 13 years ago said, base here. All because of my brother, my precious brother Scott. We're done stand with me just for a moment. Just stand for a moment. See, I'm reminded I've been reading a book. Because recently I preached at a church called Engaging Heaven in New London, Connecticut. They had a prayer meeting several months ago for the fire of God. And suddenly the entire block around the church, every manhole blew with fire. It was on the news and they couldn't put the fire out and figure out where it came from. We're going back to do an I Am Remnant conference there. Well, What's engaging heaven? I've been reading their history. Because they started in the 1640s. First church in Connecticut. Something happened in 1734. After a man by the name of Jonathan Edwards preached three sermons. Up until that point, according to the book, it, it, it says uh, after the church fathers died off, there was a good and sound preaching and a good degree of peace and order, but their condition alarmed the men. They go on to say that they were less zealous, less strict, less strict in morals, less strict in doctrine and less conspicuous for piety. They began to accept everyone without change, which was you begin to shift the church. But then when a man showed up and began to preach that salvation, true salvation, was in direct opposition to the prevailing doctrine of justification by works, which was going on in the church that day, suddenly they began to break out with groaning and wailing and weeping. I've been reading it for several days now through the whole book. It's an old book. It's 100 years old. It's called The The Ladder History of the First Church of Christ in New London, Connecticut. It was written in 1900, and it says The Ladder History. (laughs) why would I tell you that? Because recently when I was preaching there, the pastor who's a dear friend looked at me and said, we're about to renovate. And we saw an outpouring of God on one weekend and engaging heaven church used to be the first church of Christ of new London. What is that church? It's the church that saw the great awakening, the church that experienced Whitfield and Later on, Parham and Jonathan Edwards and the great preachers. And I asked him, I said, what are you going to do with the old pews that have been in here for 400 years? He said, you want to buy one? I said, yeah, bought two. Because these pews heard the wailing and the crying out of repentance. They, these pews held... The boys, during the Revolutionary Civil War, they would sleep in the church on these pews. This, these pews, this pew has heard the preachings of Whitfield, and Edwards. I asked my friend, I said, can I have one? Because, see, a seed will not grow outside of its environment. Recently... Several years ago, a seed was found in a Pharaoh's tomb, 3,500 years old. They took it out, it was in a bowl, and they planted it, a botanist planted it, and it grew. It never grew. It outlived Alexander the Great all the way throughout history. That seed outlived Hitler, all of them. But when it was finally put in the right soil, it grew. So the Spirit of the Lord spoke to Karen and I, didn't he? Because Amos 9.11 goes on to say, it speaks of the tabernacle of David. In fact, what you got to realize on May 14th, 1948, this was the scripture that was read in all the synagogues of Israel when they became a nation. For years, I saw 9-11, 9-11, 9-11, and I didn't realize that 9-11 is the Hebrew number for remnant, but it also means. In that day, I'll restore David's fallen shelter. How many of you understand you're, you're the tabernacle? You're a temple, you're not a shack. We are. The resurrection of David's tabernacle. They may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations that bear my name, declares the Lord. This all came after Amos prophesied the famine. There is coming a remnant. Pastor Al, if I could somehow get down right here, I could hear those sermons. In this 400 year old pew. So the Lord spoke to Karen and I because we have one in our house. We got it two weeks ago. We sit and have downloads from the Holy Ghost. He said, Bring this to Pastor Al as a gift. Did not for the church, for your house. You said to me, Revolution. I looked up the number 13 last night, or the number 88 last night. It means revolution. God and man leading a revolution the Spirit of the Lord said, come plant a seed in the revival here. Had this ship to me. Then we brought it down. Our team brought it down. Because it can't grow anywhere else. It's got to be in a place of revival. But what I've come to tell you tonight, and I, I forgive us for going so long. It's a new sermon, so it's Karen's fault. But there's the papers. But if you could just come with me for a second. I'm just wondering what would happen. I want to warn you for a second, Pastor Al, because the Spirit of the Lord does this in our services sometimes. But I've read the history of this church. It's back. We're going there in May to have a revival. We're inviting all of Connecticut. We're going to walk the steps of Whitfield, and Edwards. Stand at the rock where he first preached sinners in the hands of an angry God. This pew heard it. You've taken and you've brought us here, and these heroes. I'm I'm looking at a hero right here. I'm sitting here going, "I'll never be that much of a man. I'll never be that much of a man. I'll never have a heart like a like a Cindy. I just won't." But you trusted us tonight to tell them not to quit. Is there any farmers in the room? Any farmers? There's a famine coming. Who's ready for the famine? You do understand that when China said you can no longer have religion, it exploded. When they cut off the buffet, it broke out in revival. I could tell you stories. Of course, we have a seed from China. You helped us bring that seed home. You do understand in every nation where you're not supposed to be a Christian, they're having revival. Famine's a good thing. You wrote about it and dehydrated. But I wanted to do this tonight. I want you to to just stand in front of it, but don't sit down. This is experienced revival. Stretch your hands out, church. And I'm gonna ask God to you see the Lord has said that He just told me this. He said, I've extended your timeline into many, many years. He said, I've given you the heart of a 40-year-old. That's what he told me. God says, I'm not done with you. He says, this conference will double. It will quadruple. And it will be miraculous where the finances come from. No one's doing these anymore. I want you to sit down where the revivalists sat and heard the wailing and the weeping and the gnashing of teeth have a seat because in this chair mothers have held their soldiers from the civil war that have died the revolutionary war in this church they held meetings saying the king cannot tell us how to worship anymore right there in connecticut in this church now what you need to understand church is because of the promise of what god has done for this house and because of their obedience you have just taken the spiritual water level of revival up and there's going to be a glory that sweeps over the room now cry out cry out cry out cry out cry out here it comes i need to warn you it's coming it's coming this happens all the time but it's coming cry out church he is holy church he's holy he's holy he's holy i want all unrighteousness out of me because every time you see a promise of finances and miracles in the bible the soil was righteousness first all of the heroes that physically can I need to warn you missionaries I need to warn you Abner would you join me come here prophet all the missionaries first if you've been brought here and you are the heroes see I get on a plane every week I've flown 180,000 miles this year or more but I go home I pull into trustful Alabama and Karen comes in you don't get to come home see Pastor Lee the Lord promised us Asia as we left Beijing holding my daughter he whispered I will give you Asia and we've seen it I saw it this year in Singapore thousands saved but I got to go home had a Muslim man walk up to me and say two years ago when you came I decided to be the remnant and my whole Muslim family got saved I just saw that in Singapore. He came to my book table and said, my family's saved because of you, Asian, Muslim. But I would ask for the heroes who the Lord wants to empower, but I need to warn you leaders and, and I'm, I'm so careful because I esteem you way higher than us please, we're just 46 year old kids, man, who have forsaken all to take up the cross. I'm going to ask the missionaries to walk or crawl. But the minute you take your first step, the Spirit of the Lord is going to hit over you like a wind and refresh you because that's why you're here. And He's going to wrap His arms around you. Missionaries, leaders that have been brought into town, those, all, all of you heroes, walk to the front and stand across here if you can. I just saw the Lord healing your lower back. Because you've been carrying such a weight carrying such a weight, what a mantle sons and daughters will rise up around you come on missionaries pastor you feel the anointing on that little chair I want you to sit in that chair in the morning time so you can get a word for the city and for the nations it'll call to you in the middle of the night mine does it'll say come sit in the chair Spirit of the Lord all over the house there are people in this room and we must deal with you very first right up front you have allowed the things in your life and you're hungry but the buffet of the Spirit of the Lord has been cut off if you have sin in your life lift your hands now and cry out in repentance don't just come running to the altar like we normally do I mean cry out dad I mean cry out mom that the glory of the Lord will hit your house and shake your house come on mom come on dad come on teenager fierceness of the Lord is here they sang about rain I don't even know if y'all knew what I was preaching on you preached on all these songs about rain I'm like we're preaching on famine there's a rain coming don't grow weary in well doing there's a harvest missionaries those that pour out day and night ride in a canoe seven hours to preach the gospel train for weeks in the mountains those that that have chose the excellent life that's what I call it <laughs> the great adventure the remnant you're the remnant remnant Romans 11 verse 5 so too at the present time there's a remnant chosen by grace 7,000 preachers are going to rise up for the next two years. But the Spirit of the Lord says this night, I want to heal your family. I want to wash over your kids. I want to pour out my love on you.
2: Here. why don't you just stretch your hands towards them you came to get refreshed too first of all the Lord told me this week and I didn't know how this was going to happen but I just thank you because 14 years ago you saw something in me that I didn't see in myself so I want to take this opportunity to thank you But I saw, three months ago, I saw this vision of the Lord Jesus visiting you and he handed you a key. And um, the key was your future. And the key was the unlocking of a spirit of wisdom and revelation and vision for the next 10 to 15 years of your life, your ministry, and your family and the Lord says to you son you know what to do now begin to declare the word of the Lord and watch me unlock what I've never unlocked before and the Lord says that you are a bridge builder and the Lord says you'll bring denominations together classic Pentecostal denominations together for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the Lord says, media will open to you a unique way. The Lord says, media with your sermons in which your voice will open up around the world. And the Lord says, in 2016, millions of dollars will begin to flow through your ministry in a way you've never known. The Lord says, I'm giving you this next three month period to begin to put things in order, to begin to even hire new staff because there's coming an expansion you have not known. And the Lord says, I'm going to use you. I saw you when you were teaching tonight, preaching tonight. I saw you with a torch of fire in your hand, lighting fires where there had not been fires and adding to fires where there were already fires. And the Lord's promise to you tonight is, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. And Karen, the Lord says, I'm really pleased with you. And the Lord says, you haven't seen anything yet. And there's actually this angel of the Lord here tonight, and he's coming to release to you part of your inheritance. It's a greater prophetic anointing like you've never known. And the Lord says, you'll open your mouth in this season and it will amaze you of what comes out of your mouth. And it'll be words of knowledge that will begin to merge with a prophetic gift that will not just bring healing, but will bring miracles. And this angel will also unlock revelation because there's three more books inside of you in the next five years that you'll write and it will flow like a mighty river like you've never known. And the Lord says, though you've gone millions of miles, the Lord says the path that you're on, you haven't been this way before. The Lord says you have not been this way before. The Lord says networks in Asia will open to you. Europe and Great Britain will begin to open to you. South America will begin to open to you. Argentina, Brazil, Paraguay, Uruguay. you're going from speaking to 2,000 to 25,000 on a regular basis, says the Lord. Because the Lord says that you are a trusted son. So in Jesus' name, by the authority God has given me, I ask for a release of fire, of presence, grace, and anointing. And I kept feeling this this afternoon, and you can just judge this, there's coming a geographic change to where your ministry is located. The Lord says, I'm going to reestablish you in a place where you're welcomed as a favorite son. (laughs) Karen, I just bless you. Well. The Lord says, mother to nations. I just ask for a transfer of anointing from my life to yours. May you move, may you operate at a level you've ever known. And I bless your hands as hands of healing and hands of fire. And the Lord says, tonight I refresh you and strengthen you going to have dreams like never before. The main way the Lord speaks to you, the primary way in the next three years will be through dreams.
0: That's right. That's right. That's
2: right. Just release. Boom! Mm-hmm. Gift of prophecy, be stirred up. Gift of miracles. The Lord says there's an anointing coming on your life for mass crusades, Africa, hundreds of thousands in a meeting. Millions of
0: dollars. This
2: is really cool too. The Lord's touching your ears tonight too. You're going to hear His voice like never before and it'll begin early in the morning. It'll almost... The Lord says it'll be freakishly like the audible voice of God. It. This is really interesting too. I, I saw like this book and it was a book of great revivalists and awakening and it had your name on it. So the Lord says you'll be remembered as one of those who ushered in the third great awakening. Hey, a few missionaries would just stand. Just want to pray for you if you're able to.